Welcome to the Mental Models Podcast. I'm George Baxter, and I'm a hedge fund manager for SaberPoint Capital Management. I'm Dan Krawczyk. I'm a neuroscientist and professor at the University of Texas at Dallas. And together we explore mental models. That is how we view the world and what the world gives us for feedback. It's not a brain in a jar. That's the gist. If you've been enjoying episodes of the Mental Models podcast, you'd likely enjoy reading Understanding Behavioral Bias, A Guide to Improving Financial Decision-Making. George and I co-authored this book, Merging Our Knowledge, to provide you with an authoritative guide where our money-related biases come from and also what we can do about them. Material from Understanding Behavioral Bias is now included within the legendary Harvard Case Studies content library. Harvard Case Studies is widely used across the worlds of finance and business, and it's recognized as being one of the top repositories of leading-edge financial content. The book is available in both print and Kindle versions on Amazon. So buy it, read it, and improve your process. Okay, welcome back. Yeah, so again, we're uh, recording this in Dan's garage right now, just to be respectful of COVID issues. And for perspective, it's the end of 2020. Yes, and uh, we have a little bit of ambient noise in the background. Uh, Maybe you might hear a dog barking or uh, some children playing, but we've tried to shut that down. We've actually closed the garage door there's a there's a huge youth movement supporting mental models. Yes. Kids by the droves are getting more and more enthusiastic. So there there's a lot of delighted audience behind George right now. Yes. So you might occasionally. Beyond that, we wanted to talk a little bit about COVID winners and losers. We've had prior podcasts where we talked about some beneficiaries associated with COVID, uh, how it accelerated certain trends. Uh, you know, so to, some obvious ones are online shopping. Uh, that uh, certain businesses like uh, corporate real estate and uh, retail real estate would actually suffer significantly as a result of uh, the lack of activity and perhaps people getting comfortable with doing things remotely. Uh, But now that we start to see a light at the end of the tunnel, we have two vaccines that uh, seem to be very effective that are likely to be rolled out Uh, beginning at the end of this year and then into next year more broadly. Uh, There is a real interest within the market of investing in things that may have been hurt by COVID uh, that uh, will likely see some resurgence or renewal uh, as uh, we return to normalcy in the future, even though it's not reflective in the current numbers. Certainly, uh, travel industry, right? Airlines, uh, potentially cruise lines, that that ought to change. Uh, you can you can imagine that changing pretty dramatically in the next uh, twelve months. And so we've seen this kind of seesaw between these names because there's been various levels of anticipation of this happening that really started back in April, uh, where you saw a pretty uh, significant surge in the airlines and in the cruise lines uh, that has been kind of start and stop. And alternatively, you had other names uh, that typically cluster around technology, things like Zoom uh, or Microsoft, uh, that uh, were real beneficiaries of the lockdown because you had more things going on digitally and you had uh, this large jump forward in a trend that was already happening. Uh, And now it's interesting because as we get more concrete evidence of a return to normalcy through news associated with the vaccine, uh, there is uh, a number of those beneficiaries are, are being sold and those proceeds are ending up in 
uh, these reopening plays, you know, things like uh, one one that we uh, have looked at in our shop is a company called Eventbrite, which does these small forum uh, 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 gathering uh, ticketing. Yeah, and they have a very effective uh, marketing technique. I, I got an Eventbrite um, product at some point. I can't even remember when, but I now get really almost seemingly daily Eventbrite reminders of what's going on that I might be interested in. As good technology companies do, uh, they, they develop a personalized profile for you and begin to feed you options. Right. And so Live Nation is another example. And we may have mentioned some of these before in an earlier podcast. But what's interesting is, is even though, uh, and it, from a trading perspective, they're very interesting because they're still putting up awful numbers. But the in some cases, they're less awful, but the stocks are going up regardless if they beat or miss expectations. It's a very favorable setup because, you know, the company really can't screw up, right? They, you know, we blame it on COVID and people and now the market's willing to look through that. So you have this demand for those stocks as people anticipate improvement. Conversely, you can see things like uh, there was this perception that uh, that consumers were buying RVs because you couldn't travel internationally. Travel was very limited, but you could go outdoors. And the RV was a great vehicle for doing that. You could actually take a vacation. And you could avoid hotels and avoid having to potentially interact with a lot of people in public places. Yeah, a great time for RVs. So yeah, there was this, this notion uh, that there was a surge in RV purchasing as a result of COVID. But it, the, it, the dynamics are a little bit more nuanced and interesting than that. There's actually been a shortage of RVs to meet the current demand. And we haven't actually gotten back to levels of demand for RVs that exact that exist, I believe, in 2017. So we're still at a lower level uh, in part because of supply constraints, because uh, the availability of parts, which are largely manufactured in Asia, were restricted. But nonetheless, uh, companies like Camping World, or Winnebago, uh, or Thor Industries, which are all associated with RVs, they're putting up great numbers, and the stocks sell off even when they beat expectations. So that's the con, you know, the opposite of uh, uh, these uh, reopening plays are the stay-at-home plays or you know the the outdoor uh, adventure plays where people are anticipating that whatever incremental demand that you receive, it's just going to make for difficult comparisons in the next year and uh, that you'll see a fall in sales and demand for those products as people do travel inter internationally. And it'll be interesting to see if that's really the case or that you just had some incremental demand that was already added to a market that was constrained. Yeah, and RVs are a tough market because not everyone is going to be interested in RV camping. It's a real niche market, and it's also an enormous physical commitment to store an RV and to maintain it. People that I know that have had RVs, uh, we're constantly fixing something. Um, it almost becomes like a hobby project where you're constantly doing repairs. It's very different than something like um, Zoom or, or Microsoft Teams, where you can take it or leave it. Almost everyone has developed some skill with it, whether for social reasons or for work reasons. And that that's, you know, much that's has no physical cost to your life that that's that has to be stored or anything. So so I mean, really interesting physical uh, travel 
is so different than some of these electronic uh, tools that have have been huge winners in in COVID. Very much so. But it, it's interesting that even with those names, uh, you saw it with a lot of technology names that put up fantastic numbers this quarter. Uh, when you know we're talking about the third quarter earnings, and the stock sold off, they did not have a positive response. And I think a lot of that is that the anticipation uh, that we're looking in the you know you don't want to drive with the rearview mirror, right? You don't want to go and and buy stocks just based off of their current results if there's likely to be a shift in the future. And so there's this anticipation. And so from a trading perspective, it's very hard to go long a stock where they can beat earnings and the market will not reward it with a higher stock price. Because what happens is just like if you were to invest in a cyclical, and I think we've talked about this once before, if you invest in a cyclical stock where they put up good numbers and the stock sells off, then there's an anticipation that the cycle is coming to an end. And every and that and that's that's a a uh, a question of time. So every cycle does eventually come to an end. And so if you put up another good number in the next quarter, well, you're just closer to the end of the cycle. And so you really won't be able to necessarily see a good stock performance until you actually get to the bottom of the cycle. Uh, and so it's a very it's a great setup for a short. And, uh, you know, if you wanted to go short some of these beneficiaries of the covid lockdown, now is probably a good time. You got to be selective because there's going to be some things uh, like perhaps RVs or uh, in the case of Amazon, for instance, where you've accelerated the, the shift towards using that product and it was just a step change. And perhaps you continue to see growth yet just from a higher level. Yeah, and Amazon has reasons to. Uh, you know, there's optimism that 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 its growth is going to continue because it's amazingly convenient, right? If another lesson learned from the pandemic has been shopping from home can be, you know, a, a really important thing and saves you a lot of time. Uh, it's not a perfect setup, but I I kind of imagine there won't be so much demand for it as there is now, but there should still be a lot of demand. And conversely, when we think about uh, the beneficiaries of a reopening, there's been a lot of retail stocks that have rallied and a lot of restaurant stocks. But there will be, uh, perhaps from a higher level, a continuing demand for doing things with the convenience of doing it online and digitally. There will probably be fewer business trips that are taken. There's been a uh, a behavior shift where people can feel comfortable doing having remote meetings and it's much cheaper it's it much is. more efficient uh, absolutely office space uh is you know that that was being rethought before the pandemic you know investing in office spaces it's it's expensive and maintaining it and uh maintaining all of your employees in a in sort of a nine to five work environment has been going away gradually especially in the tech areas i feel like uh People I know that that work in uh, some area of engineering or technology have already done a lot of work from home and telecommuting. That's likely to continue, and probably has percolated over into other industries, just because uh, you know the skill sets people have developed are um, going to stay with them. And meetings can sometimes be a lot more efficient if you're just wanting to jump on for a short time. So there there are reasons it can be. Uh, there's reason to be optimistic that that. 
online meetings are going to continue, maybe not at the level they are now, but certainly it seems like it's accelerated that trend. Right. But when we look at some of the really expensive uh, pre-opening stuff, Zoom will be an interesting one. If you were to say, hey, George, you've got to put on a position, Zoom, long or short, for the next six months, I would probably short it. Uh, and the reason I would do that is because it, it trades at about 50 times sales. So there's an anticipation of pretty phenomenal growth, which it has had. Yeah. yeah I mean, it has grown. I think in the last report, it was well over 100 uh, percent growth in sales. And even though it's trading north of 50 times sales, if you're growing sales at over 100 percent, it doesn't take very long for that sales multiple to become reasonable. But. I can envision right now our team at SaberPoint, we have two different Zoom meetings each day uh, during during uh, the market days. And there I can see a situation where we have no more Zoom meetings, uh, where everybody's in the office in a year from now. And if we have a Zoom meeting, it'll be kind of the exception as opposed to the rule. Now we may have more Zoom meetings, meeting with managements that we're gonna we'd other have we'll otherwise have a phone call with. But at the same point in time, our usage of Zoom could actually go down pretty materially from what what it is today. And that experience is probably not dissimilar from a lot of people at the margin. So if a stock is priced at a ridiculous multiple of sales in anticipation of significant growth. If that growth slows materially or even goes negative, then you could see a pretty significant tumble. Yeah, the timing's challenging, though. You mentioned six months. I, I kind of imagine that it's the pandemic work environments are probably going to last longer than that, just because it, it feels to me like vaccines are, there's a lot of optimism around it, but actually distributing vaccines, uh, there at least are warnings that's going to take a while and uh, to actually realize the benefit of of, uh, of vaccines. Uh, I don't think that the proper analogy is a light switch where we just go back to normal, you know, pre COVID normal, there probably won't be a pre COVID normal, it's probably going to be a morph normal, in which we do have other features, I, I think zoom being one of those uh, teleconferencing, you know, I just feel like phones have been in decline, right? Yes. The, the, the prevalence of of a, doing a video call is so much higher, and people are so much more willing to do that sort of in place of phone usage. So I, I do see that sticking with us um, because, you know, if you had to decide between, you know, physically traveling somewhere and getting a plane ticket and going to all that trouble versus doing a, a video meeting, I, I think people may want to use Zoom more. I think it, I think it's they'll definitely use more if you're comparing to 2019. Yeah. yeah. But if you're comparing to 2020. Less. Right. It, I, I would, would agree with think that. that yeah. it's going to be less. Yeah. And. Now, maybe the answer is, is that even though in 2020, you could actually see more Zoom usage in 2025, you know, where you have a you have a trend towards using more video usage, then you, you have a big spike in 2020, but then a reversion back in 2021 and 22. But the continuing trend, the upward trend of people shifting to that form of communication could continue to the point where it does become more commonplace further in the future. Yeah, once technology tools get infused in the population, they tend not to go away. They morph, and there probably will be more changes, but I, I don't ever see situations where we where we stop using sure. something that's proven to be um, pretty effective. And it almost took a situation like this for 
for video calls. You know, it, it seemed like video calls were something you imagined would have become common earlier, but it's a variety of features kind of inhibited that, you know, from not wanting to appear on camera to just Wi-Fi bandwidth and things not supporting it. We're kind of moved past those hurdles. So I do think there's probably going to be a different look because it's, you know, people have acquired those skills now. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think it's the case, but, uh, when as we go forward, uh, you know, the market typically cares about what's going to happen in the next 12 months. And so when you talk about sales trends, uh, at least for now, because it is you're lo- you are looking out 12 months and stocks are discounting that, then it'll probably be, I would think, a tough environment unless, like you're saying, this uh, this issue associated with COVID just goes on a lot longer than people are anticipating because of the time it'll take for you to have a distribution vaccine. I would push back a little bit against that because uh, there is a seasonal effect associated with the virus. If we look out six months from now, uh, that puts us into April, I guess, next year, which is pretty much when we started to see a pretty significant fall off. Now, you, you were also shut down. But oh yeah, benefits of warmer temperatures, warmer temperatures, uh, people outdoors more. Yes, less indoor circulation of people. Yeah. yeah. So I would think that you know perhaps when we get to that point, and you will have vaccines starting to be distributed, uh, which could reduce the rate of the growth uh, to begin with. Plus, plus, plus a number of people have already been infected at that point in time. Um, you won't have you won't be at herd immunity, but obviously, if somebody has antibodies then they're not going to be a transmitter. Oh, yeah. No, it's all closing down routes that the virus can take. The difficulty we've had is just there's we're, we're at zero immunity right. right in the spring of 2020. And it's continued to be at a, a really it's very hard to get herd immunity from just people circulating and getting it. But uh, anyway, uh, so it's an interesting setup for a lot of these different names. You know, right now it looks like it's pretty desirable, or at least it has been for uh, the month of November and, uh, you know, where we've seen these reopening plays really get a boost. And uh, they're probably going to continue to have incremental demand uh, for a while. Uh, and you're protected from the fact that they can put up bad results and you, you still have interest in the stock. Conversely, you know, on the short side, uh, some of these beneficiaries that are starting to sell off, even though they have great news, really tough position, you know, to go long uh, for the next six months uh, because it, you know, they just they don't really get any recognition from the market for good results. Good results are you know discounted as being temporary or transient or at least elevated uh, beyond normal levels. And so uh, it's kind of like eh, market shrugs its soldiers and said, I'd rather sell this and buy this other thing that incrementally at the margin is going to be improving as COVID uh, dissipates from our day. Yeah, that is that is challenging to be sort of decoupled from really good evidence indicators. It's always a dangerous position to be in where you're completely speculating based on some sort of uh, societal trend that we we don't know how it'll all play out. I expect we will have monkey wrenches and curveballs. We have all year. Yes. <laughs> and uh, the timing is everything, as they say. And certainly uh, with these sorts of fluid events, um, anticipating the timing seems to be 
just a big unknown. Yes. But we all get a chance to see the reflections of human psychology in the market on a daily basis where uh, current reality is discounted for the dreams of the future. (laughs) That's a good place to stop. We'll see you in the future. All right. Thank you for spending your time listening to the Mental Models Podcast. Content matters because your brain does not exist in a job. Please subscribe and like Mental Models Podcast. The five-starred book, Understanding Behavioral Bias, A Guide to Improving Financial Decision Making, is available through Amazon. This book will help you overcome the biases that are keeping you from investing success. The Mental Models Podcast can be found on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Please subscribe and thank you for listening.